it's amazing to have a career that's kind of attached to what you care about most, which is your family. Mm-hmm. Um, I am sort of in love with the idea of trying to continue to kind of merge those things together. I'm Bridget Garsh, co-founder of Neighbor Schools and your host for Work Like a Mother, a podcast dedicated to real conversations with incredible women juggling work, life, and motherhood. Today, I'm excited to sit down with Sarah McCollum Dorset, CEO of Nanit. From the first night we brought him home from the hospital, Hudson was not a fan of his bassinet. No matter how tightly we swaddled him, he would find a way to wiggle himself down to the bottom of the bassinet and scream as he frantically pushed his tiny feet off the bottom. So when he was six weeks old and against our pediatrician's advice, we decided to move him into the crib in his own room to give him more space. I was a nervous wreck. Would I really hear him if he woke up? What if he somehow managed to roll over? What if he thought we'd abandoned him? This is precisely the type of anxiety that Sarah and her team at Nanit are working to solve. Sarah built a career as a leader in e-commerce, working for more than two decades for various companies. Yet when Nanit approached Sarah, she jumped at the opportunity to switch careers to help parents use technology to ease their worries. With little kids at home, Sarah could connect and relate to parents who were looking for any tools and tricks to make parenting a little easier. I am so glad to be speaking with you today, and I can't wait to share your story. Very excited to be here as well. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey that led you to becoming CEO of Nanit? Absolutely. So I spent which is about 10 years of my career in uh, the beauty industry. So building brands, um, I had an uh, amazing time doing it. I'm actually from the Midwest, but I moved to New York to live the artist dream, as they say. So this is quite a while back. Um, but uh, but back then, that was the place you came if you wanted to have any sort of artistic expression. And I landed in the beauty industry, which was just, it was like a you know, candy land for me um, and really learned how to, um, to, to, build a story behind a brand. Um, and I already knew a lot about technology and, um, you know, kind of fell into this world of tech, um, as well. And so it was this kind of interesting combination back then, um, where tech wasn't really important, but people started to feel like you should at least kind of understand it. Um, and then I moved into the world of retail. I just kind of took that into the world of, oh, you know, maybe there's a lot more I could do. Um, And I'm such a product junkie. I've always been, you know, shopping is kind of my, um, it's my happy place in some some respects. I love learning about products. I really think I sort of, I've always been like that, but definitely when you, when you learn how to storytell, I loved kind of learning about all of these brands. And so department store retail was again, another like Disneyland for me because there were so many different products, so many different brands, um, and I could learn about the stories behind all of them. And it, there, I just, I just gained such an appreciation and attachment. So, I worked in um, department store retail, retail for uh, any e-commerce way. So definitely, again, using technology. Um, really enjoyed tech. I have a little bit of a background in that from um, from just growing up with my my family. My father was a computer engineer, so definitely had. 
um, had some roots there. Um, but built Bloomingdales.com, went on to century21departmentstore.com, loved building that. Again, kind of using, leveraging all that storytelling that I had learned early on in my career. Um, went to Bye Bye Baby and Bed Bath and & Beyond. Um, and uh, again, they kind of hired me to, to transform the way that they did business online, um, you know, kind of trying to find where that, where that narrative really fit for them. Um, and then I received a call from Nanit. And uh, at that point, I had three children. Uh, my youngest was still an infant. And it took a little while for me to think about, okay, now I'm selling, you know, 500,000 SKUs. How am I going to go down to selling a baby monitor? But when I learned the power of what this baby monitor could do for families, and I personally at the time was was really, <laughs> was really just kind of making it work, you know? Um, and I would have taken anything um, that would have helped help make life easier and better. And I thought this is one of the only products that has, has true technology in it that could actually give me something meaningful, you know, um, from a tech perspective, you know, like really tech is being used in a way that I feel very comfortable with um, that, that really has a lot of value. And this could help, this could, this could change the world for all of us, you know, and, and, and to have the opportunity to be a part of that was really the reason why I joined. Wow. What an impressive trajectory and so varied as well. You've really worked on a lot of different brands. Mm -hmm. Did you always know that kids were going to be part of the equation and how did you factor that into your plan? For my career? Yes. I actually didn't. Um, what was interesting is that I, I always thought I would be more in kind of um, fashion and something more design related and, and beauty. That's just where I kind of grew up. Um, but as soon as I became a mom, um, things started to change. You know, what I what I cared about were what I was going to buy for them. Um, and so I really got really kind of obsessed with um, what do they need? How do I find the right resources for them? And my life just kind of became all about them. And I just applied kind of that love for, for um, for doing my due diligence on products and, and services and activities. Um, and it just, it was sort of a natural progression. Well, it's so interesting. Like motherhood just changes us in so many different ways. Right. And it's fascinating to think how it had such an impact on your career and having this category jump and, and leap um, as well. I think for me, it was, my career has been such a, such a huge part of who I am and, and such a huge part of my life. And I've devoted so much energy into it. And it's, it wasn't because of ambition, blind ambition. It was more curiosity. I think hmm. um, I just loved learning stuff and, and doing stuff. And I don't know, I'm just kind of one of those, those doers. It's amazing to have a career that's kind of attached to what you care about most, which is your family, mm-hmm. um, being able to, I, I just, I am sort of in love with the idea of trying to continue to kind of merge those things together. Um, so it's a pretty incredible opportunity, I think, um, just based on the, the DNA maybe. So it's, I feel like in the story that you're telling, it's very clear how motherhood like influenced your career. How do you think your career has influenced your motherhood? Oh my gosh, a few things. Career in general has made me kind of rethink 
how I parent. Mm-hmm. Um, one is I really had to make a tough decision between should I can should I just be a parent or should I continue in my career and what are really the benefits? You know, I mean, you have to weigh that. I think every mom kind of has to weigh that. And what I decided, and everybody has makes a different decision, was I may not be there every moment for my children when they're zero to five, mm-hmm. but when they're adults and they're making difficult choices and they're navigating through their life, I am going to have incredible experiences to share with them because of the career, you know, because I stayed mm-hmm. with my career and I've led and worked with so many people and I've had, I have such a huge kind of network of people that I've met and I've learned so many people skills along the way, um, as well as just kind of career skills. So I sort of justified in my head that I would, I would, I would be able to support my children long-term when it came to kind of, you know, how they navigated life, especially when it came to such a huge decision as career and work and, you know, how you supported yourself and your family. Um, So my hope is that I'll be able, you know, I always kind of keep that in the back of my head that I'll be able to add that value um, to their life in, in all stages, actually, the way they think about being on a team, you know, the way they commit to their, their, their school and their studies, you know, how they engage with others and what the qualities are that, that are really, that really will help them be happy and successful. Um, my career, I, I really use my career right now to help me kind of define what those things look like. Um, and sometimes I'll manage conversations at work and think, how could I apply this <laughs> to, to this conversation I want to have with my child, you know? So, um, so it's definitely a different perspective. I wouldn't say that I was like that before, um, before having kids. Um, but I, I sort of use it as, as a bit of a lens to, to view both worlds. Yeah. It's so interesting to think about how work informs how you parent and how parenthood informs how you work and influences it. I I often think about, I feel like parenthood has made me so much more creative. Like I was saying my, my son has, he's been having a hard time. My oldest, like when we leave and go, when he's going to sleep and he, he's like almost like inventing little boo-boos. And so on the fly, I just came up with this little idea of like, okay, we're going to like crisscross it, wrap a circle around it, and then make this funny noise at the end. And because I was uh, trying to negotiate with him and like, you know, I was not getting anywhere. It was like, no, it still hurts. And we just needed something different, something new. And I, I just thought to myself, wow, I don't, I don't know if I was so creative, like in my thinking as before, but it's untapped a lot of this creative potential in the way that I think about problem solving in particular, and like just completely stepping outside of what I might normally do to try and solve a problem. It really does. I used to love making decisions. I think I'm, I make decisions much faster now. Mm. I make choices in just, I, I can, I can cut to the chase really quickly now, you know, like this has to happen now because the child's about to melt down. And even in work, I'm the same way. I'm like, nope, we don't have time for that. Like right. I totally get through the noise so much faster um, because out of necessity, I have to do that at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just, I mean, being efficient has been, um, you know, I don't even, I couldn't even describe how, how, um, how I'm able to just kind of, you know, efficiently do things now, but I really forced myself to learn sort of how to do that um, by kind of balancing the two things um, and keeping my cool. (laughs) At any minute, somebody might run through the door and I have to just go with flow. Right, right. (laughs) 
I remember hearing from one of our daycare teachers, you know, like the minute you lose your cool, they've also won, right? Mm -hmm. Like you've lost, you've lost, you've lost the whole scenario and um, with a toddler. And so I feel like, yes, there you're definitely pushed to the brink of like, how much can you maintain your cool? But it's such a powerful life skill in many circumstances. And even for, you know, there are times when I don't have a lot of patience at work. I can feel myself not having that patience mm-hmm. where I'm just where, you know, I need people to keep moving. I need us to keep going. I need us to, you know, I need us, we're, we're probably focused on the wrong thing, you know, and how do I, but how do I make sure that everybody still has a voice? And can still be heard, you know, and, and Nanit is the best business it can be and the best product it can be. Um, and I think, again, I think that I've learned a lot of that from that patience from, from my children. Well, as you're striving to make Nanit the best product that it can be, what really sets Nanit apart from other monitors? The most amazing thing that Nanit can actually do or has the potential to do is anticipate and predict. So what I say to parents as I'm describing Nanit is it's a bit like having um, an extra babysitter, but it's not just feeding you data because pretty much anything can do that. I don't know if you use any devices for kind of that quantified self, but if you use any devices to measure an Apple watch, maybe, or an ring to measure your sleep and your health. And, you know, I think, I think we as adults have started to get really into that. You know, we, we like knowing what's going on and we like to try to understand it and interpret it. And it started to grow on us a bit. Um, well, Nana does that for your baby, but it does so much more in that it can actually tell you what is going to happen next because babies aren't influenced by the things that us, the choices that us adults make, you know, but your baby isn't going to have had a rough night last night, you know, out partying with friends or <laughs> pulled an all nighter studying, or even, you know, played a sport uh, with friends for hours and, you know, it's impacted their sleep and their well-being and everything about it. And you wouldn't know that if, if as an adult, you were using a device to try to help you understand what your data meant and what it, what it, what it could mean to your future. Well, Nanit is very different. Nanit takes that information and then can help you understand your baby and you should use the data that way. So we can help you understand if something's going on, you know, your data changes with your baby. Um, as your baby develops, the data that you see will also change. And we sort of help and guide you, especially with sleep training. Um, but there are so many different things that that Nanit can tell you. Having that data at your fingertips and then having that additional advice and that additional support. Um, and in addition to that, we have a community. So that that data is so valuable in that it can tell you new things about your baby. It can tell the entire world new things about how babies develop. Um, but it also can help you find others that look like you or have experiences like yourself and and really help you connect in in, in a way that's um, that feels very, I would say, safe and supportive. You're already at the like leading edge of baby tech. What's next? What does the future look like? We want to continue to develop Nanit to be as useful as possible. So essentially anything that we can see that might be helpful, um, we will do. So I think a a big piece of what we're really committed to right now is really that idea of connecting families um, and and leveraging a community. Um, We want to learn more about what 
parents and families are talking about and caring about and discussing. Um, because oftentimes when you're spending, you know, babies spend half their life in the crib, there's probably something that could be learned and that could help all of these parents who have, you know, a question or are discussing something that they can't quite figure out. Um, so what we would really love is if Nanit really does become, is really leveraged as that partner. So if parents are looking at the data on their baby and they're taking it to their pediatrician and they're saying, look, you know, this is, this is, this is how my baby's sleeping and this is how they've been doing. And, oh my gosh, all of a sudden there was a bit of a curveball in here, you know, and I'm wondering, could that mean teething or could it mean they're about to roll over and hit a milestone and, you know, their bodies are just kind of working it all out in that crib and, and, um, and, and let's use this data together. It would become amazingly valuable, I think, to Nanit. Um, to be able to have that connection with that 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 world of wellness, because one of your most trusted you know advisors um, on the journey is your pediatrician and your other you know caregivers and specialists. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in addition to that, you know we we do know that it's it, you get a lot of value out of connecting with other parents, and that's not always easy when your entire focus is on this little life, you know. So um, so making that a little bit easier, and then I want to strip out all that stuff that drove me nuts, like trying to pay attention to tummy time, you know, oh gosh, was it five minutes or two minutes? How long have they been on that side of the head? Is their head going to be flat? Like anything about that created anxiety for me, which was everything I put it, you know, I want to figure out a way. Um, So I'm always asking questions of our team. I'm always saying, you know, think about all of, a lot of us have children, you know, my three children all have different ways of getting out of the crib. You know, one of them got injured and never tried it again. The other one just climbed right out all the time. And it was just like a thing we never worry, you know? Um, and then my third just kind of <laughs> did whatever. Um, but I feel like if I had been able, you know, imagine having a product that could tell you not that they fell out, not that they just climbed out, but that they're showing signs that they might be interested in getting out of that crib. So then you could, you had a couple of weeks to make some decisions around that, right? right. Um, it's that type of behavior. It's that anticipation rather than kind of that reactive, oh, baby just climbed out, you know, might want to do something now. And then everybody has to panic. I want to hit you before, you know, give you the time to actually think about, you know, what is the next step? Ask, ask your community, ask your doctor. Um, so that's what I think is really powerful. It makes me also think, do you think today's parents are more stressed and anxious than past generations. Like I can't imagine my grandmother having this same level of stress that I feel or, or that anxiety. I get asked that question a lot in different ways. And I, I, I answer it and I use it to answer it a lot of times because I think technology has given us so much access to information and we have, we have information coming at us all the time. So now we're just conditioned to get information, all types of information. And there is so much technology that actually does make our lives easier that we couldn't imagine living without. But in the world of parenting, there's not that much. (laughs) You know what I mean? Parenting is traditionally largely, you know, even the information you get from your pediatrician is based on things that were learned in the 60s, right? Mm -hmm. You know, these, you know, that we still care for our babies kind of the same way. So I think because there's so many different aspects of our life that we have learned how to use tech and learn how to use information. And then we get into this world of, of family and there's not really enough of it. We don't know what's right, what's wrong, what to choose. I definitely think that creates um, a, a, a much more anxiety than it did when you had a village, when you had, you know, 10 people around you who were all having babies together or your family members and extended family, they were all there to help you out and make sure you were, you had that, you had that 
sleep that you needed. Um, you had the support you needed, like everything's going to be okay. My baby did that. And this one's fine. And I've had six of these and everybody, you had the village. There's really, I think the village and that the absence of it these days definitely creates more anxiety for parents. Whereas in the past, like, again, like you said, my grandmother probably didn't have any of the stress. Yeah, that's, huh. Um, I, I love that you described it that way. And I think, you know, one of the most interesting things about what you're building with the parent community connected to this is it's completing the circle, so to speak, right? Like it's giving you access to that data and the information and the, you know, suggestions. And then also there's that personal connection because just knowing that you're not alone is so powerful. Well, you have shared so much with us already. You were just talking about the community and people, you know, being grateful and seeing people open up and share their stories. Uh, You've already shared so much with us. So thank you for that. You have three young kids at home. You're CEO of a huge, fast growing company. How do you make this juggle work every day? Oh my gosh. Well, it, I've, I've learned <laughs> to make it work. I can't say that I was actually preconditioned for it in any way. So I would say that I've had to learn to um, be pretty patient, I think, with myself. And, <laughs> and as you can see, interruptions. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, Okay, I think you need to go now, sweetheart. I know that's I'm on a really important call. Okay, I'm lucky. Can you close the door for me, please? (laughs) Sorry. No, no worries. You couldn't have a podcast either called Work Like a Mother without having all sorts of wild things happen. I think at one point I was we were doing an episode. I was pumping because my youngest was still breastfeeding. Like it was so much chaos happening. There was a delivery, groceries being delivered. Like it was, you know, just everything happening. So I get it. Thank you. No I, I definitely appreciate that. Yeah, I have. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I would say, I think it is, it is really nice to be able to apply some of what I care about as a mom to the business. So very, very fortunate there. Um, I have had to really I, I kind of reevaluate what's important almost every week, you know, and I, and I really decide and I'm very specific about carving out time to make sure that I kind of understand my week and, and what's going to happen and how it's going to impact my family and how it's going to impact my work. Um, and a lot of times that means that, you know, I don't do things that I think would make me happy, but then when I actually evaluate them, I'm, thinking about it in terms of, well, would that make me happy though? If I'm exhausted and I'm not able to go to dinner, you know, and, and I, I wanted to go to dinner, but I'm so tired. Maybe I shouldn't plan, you know, uh, some of these, you know, kind of extra things that I've been, I've been thinking about. Maybe, maybe what I really enjoy is just being home and, and that's totally okay. So, but I'm a lot happier for it. You know, it's, it's just about kind of owning, um, owning the decisions that I make instead of letting them kind of own me. Um, meaning that, you know, my career, um, I'm, I'm pretty transparent about where I want it to go. And, you know, I'm working really hard on this one thing right now, but eventually, you know, I need to make sure that that 
some of the, that I pass it on to some of my people and they can do it, you know, and I, I do the same thing with my family. You know, I need to, I need to set aside time to, to build out a schedule for them right now, because if I don't have a plan for them, <laughs> it's going to be a hot mess and I'm going to be all week long freaking out about it, you know? So it's really been an exercise in, um, I think discipline. And that's probably one of my bigger recommendations. It's probably largely the same, except for you have to switch your mind off and on, I think, in a different way when you're trying to balance kind of the the adult world of a growing company and that of unpredictable children. <laughs> right. But it's interesting when you say that too, it's like, there's so many curveballs in either scenario, right? Like so many different things can go astray and the best laid plans in either case can end up meaning absolutely nothing. They absolutely can. I mean, I, I will tell you that a lot of times I do things right away. So like one of the things I, I really kind of balance is, okay, somebody's just asked me for a meeting, what I'm capable of. <laughs> and a lot of times that means that there's, there's not enough room in my brain for me to remember to schedule that thing that I was asked to do last week. I have to do it right now, you know, and I've got to, uh, otherwise it's just, everything just sits out there and I get more stressed out about the fact that there's just too much for me to remember to do. Um, so kind of getting things done right away and having, frankly, I know they say kids do really well in a routine, um, but I'd say parents with children, young children and, um, high, you know, high energy jobs, <laughs> uh, a routine helps. Yeah. Routines help everybody. <laughs> yeah. So if you think back, what advice would you give to your pre-mom self? Oh my gosh, what a great question. I think my pre-mom self, I probably would have really enjoyed my pre-mom moments. Like I really would have been grateful. I think I would have appreciated and I wouldn't have been trying to move so fast. You know, I, I look back now and I think, I should have just taken more time to just enjoy. I, I did so much, you know, before I had kids, um, but I don't remember half of it, you know, and, and why did I do that? You know, I was always moving on to the next thing and I was always moving so fast. And then I had children and like, I want to hold on to every moment, you know, I think, oh my gosh, it's going to, it's going to be gone. You know, tomorrow's going to be, you know, three weeks from now, I'm, they're going to change so much, you know, and I'm not going to remember. Yeah. So I think that the thing that I, I, probably would tell my pre-mom self was slow down, you know, um, working, there really is something to be said about, you know, from a career perspective, working smarter, not harder. It's something that I still, especially as a woman, I think it's, you know, my, my, I'm, I'm kind of programmed to, if I just work harder, if I just work harder, if I just work harder, you know, um, and I keep trying to step back. And I actually just had this conversation with one of my colleagues who I've worked with for a long time, um, who's a woman. I said, we have to, as women, we have to, we have to think about how much we really want to accomplish. You know, what do we want to do? What's important mm-hmm. to us? Um, you know, and we have to think that way instead of just trying to get everything done in a day, you know, that's, we're, we're not going to be healthy if we keep running like this, you know, it's, it's, it's really going to affect us. And I think you and I have worked together long enough to, to be able to figure this out. Um, but I think my pre-mom self, um, I can't, I, you know, I, I would, I would have loved to have, to have just, um, I don't know, smell the roses a little bit more, I guess. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for sharing your time with us today and for sharing your story and everything you're building at Nanit. Uh, thank you. 
We really appreciate it. Thank you. I loved, I loved, I loved being here and, uh, and meeting you and chatting about it with you too. So. Work Like a Mother is produced by Neighbor Schools. Neighbor Schools is a startup in Boston that I co-founded in 2018 to help parents find daycare. As a first-time parent, finding childcare can feel scary and intimidating. At Neighbor Schools, we help you find daycare you'll feel really good about so you can go back to work with the peace of mind that your little one is getting the socialization, support, and stimulation they need to learn and grow. We've helped thousands of moms and dads figure out the daycare search. Check us out at neighborschools.com. And when you get in touch, mention that you discovered us on the podcast. Thanks for joining me today. We'll see you next time.